Hey everyone, welcome to my uh, Facebook Live event. I have been looking forward to this. I'm recording this uh, video but, and I will post it afterwards so that you can watch it again if you want to and share it with your friends. Um, I will also have the audio version available on my podcast. And if some of you haven't been to my podcast, uh, you just look for Dorenda Wilson and I'm on Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, Podbean, or you can listen directly from my site, DorendaWilson.com. And because you are busy moms, um, I know that there's a lot of places that you could be and a lot of other voices that you could listen to. So I just want you to know that I consider it a privilege that you've chosen to be here. And um, honestly, my hope and my prayer um, is that you will walk away encouraged and inspired. Um, that unnecessary burdens would be lifted and that you would be free to love and enjoy your kids and this homeschooling journey that God has called you to. And I'm not gonna um, you know, lie to you and say that it's always gonna be easy because it's not, but I really feel like we should be enjoying this time with our kids like at least 80% of the time, you know? Um, that's sort of my, that's sort of been my little ratio over the years. I, I would step back and look at our homeschooling and say, you know, are we all pretty much enjoying this, you know, 80%, maybe there's 20% we have to gut out, you know? Um, I'm okay with that. But what I am seeing more and more um, and I, and I, I think it's partially because there's so much going on in social media and a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on moms right now and um, especially homeschooling moms. And um, I think that it is really putting unnecessary burdens on us. And so that's what I want to speak to today um, because for the reason, the, the bottom line is that I want you to enjoy your kids. I'm almost embarrassed to say it sometimes because it sounds um, impossible to some people that um, that I actually look back and I can say that I enjoyed our homeschooling journey. It was that 80-20 thing, but I did enjoy our kids. So it is possible. I know that. And that's why I'm here because I'm seeing so many moms just burdened and just feeling um, like a failure. And you know what? It's a lie, you guys, and, and I'm going to be talking about exactly why. So I'll dive into that in just a minute. Um, but I want you to be freed up to love, enjoy your kids, and enjoy this homeschooling journey. So I will tell you up front, um, if you're new and you don't know who I am, I always speak from a place of faith. In other words, I'm a Christian and I will speak from that perspective because that is my experience. And that's the only perspective that I can speak from. So um, our homeschooling story would be very different if it wasn't for our faith. But what's really cool is that God is a very practical God. And he has given me um, insight along the way on things that just made sense, you know? And so I'm gonna be sharing a lot of those things as well, just really practical things. And the interesting thing is um, I would go to God so many times I have gone to him and I've gone, Lord, this problem that I have with this kid, you know, whether it's a discipline problem or a homeschooling issue, I would just go to him and I would just think, this is so complicated and I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. 
every single time he would give me a simple answer. Isn't that just like God? He lifts burdens. He is not the one putting the heavy on you guys, all right? That is not him, okay? Sometimes he calls us to hard things, but he's not the one putting the heavy on you. So before I dive in, I'm there's probably some new people here, so I just want to briefly introduce myself. Um, I'm Dorinda, married to Daryl for uh, 30 years. We just had our 30th wedding anniversary. We have eight kids, ages 15 to 28, that we've homeschooled from the beginning. Uh, we've graduated six so far, and we have six grandkids. So... Um, little background on why I'm doing what I'm doing. About four years ago, my husband and I were on a trip. Okay, so you got to picture this, you guys. These kids, this life, this is what I've been doing, had been doing for, um, you know, a, a couple of decades, right? Hand to the plow, staying focused, really trying to do what God had called me to do at home. And my husband and I were on a trip and out of the blue, we're driving along and he said, I think you should write a book. I started laughing. I thought he was kidding. And I said, I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, I think you should write a book. And I'm like, on what? He said, you should write a book on homeschooling. And I looked at him and I said, listen, you know how we homeschool. We have always kept things so simple and straightforward and um, unhurried um, and somewhat relaxed I don't think anybody's going to be interested in hearing that, you know, like that's not going to really measure up to anybody's expectations. And he looked at me and he said, that's exactly why you should write it. And I had to chew on that for several months before I finally decided that he was right. And as I prayed about it, the Lord was giving me things to say. So I wrote a book called The Unhurried Homeschooler. It is a tiny little book. It's maybe 50 or 60 pages. Um, I call it a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling because I know moms are busy and I know myself, I can rarely get through a book. So I wrote this book in hopes that I could just bring um, the nuts and bolts of encouragement to homeschooling families. And I had no idea what God was going to do with that book. He has brought it a long ways and that's been totally him. It's not because I'm so smart or wonderful. It's because it's a simple message that lifts burdens and it's from him. So consider that if you've read it and appreciated it, a gift from him because um, it's a gift he gave me and I'm just passing it on. So I wrote that book and I'm telling you, I have received countless messages from moms telling me how that little book has helped them learn to homeschool with so much more freedom. So I wanna spend the first part of this sharing with you some of the things that I've learned over our 24 years of homeschooling that have really helped set me free. You guys, these are gonna be kind of really simple and straightforward things. Um, and then, um, then we'll have a time for Q&A because um, this might sort of like launch more questions for you. So um, I will try to make sure I keep track of all the questions, but if you can hold off till I'm more towards the end of this piece of it, it would help a lot because otherwise I have to do a bunch of scrolling and I'm not sure if Facebook is going to let me do that. But the first thing that I want to say to you, because when I do these things, I pray over them and I just ask the Lord, what do you have? And every single time he tells me to give you a word of encouragement because you need encouragement. I need encouragement. So the first thing that I wanna say to you is how incredibly proud I am of you. You have taken a step that many parents are afraid to take. 
You've taken the full responsibility to oversee your kids' education. And I want you to remember something, that this is your God-given role. That's your role. That is your right. You have nothing to apologize for. You don't owe an explanation to anyone for what you're doing. I mean, obviously, some states, we need to give some accountability. We want to abide by the law. But I'm talking about your mother-in-law, your neighbor, your friend, people who hear that you homeschool and have, always have an opinion about it. But guess what? They're not the ones who bear the responsibility for raising your children. You do. So you get to make the decisions. You get to hear from the Lord. You get to walk this out in a way that is best for your family. Okay, God didn't call you to homeschool somebody else's kids. He called you to homeschool yours. So you do it the way that it brings peace and life to your family. And you know, moms, we know, like we know when stuff is going on and we're like, this just feels so not peaceful. And then to recognize why doesn't it feel peaceful? Maybe I need to just do a piece of this, but not all of it. Maybe I need to cut this out. Maybe, you know, we can figure this out, you guys, seriously. If I can figure it out, you certainly can. (laughs) I don't have a degree. I'm not overly qualified. I don't have a PhD. I have a high school diploma. And you know what? That was enough. And even if you don't have a high school diploma, Again, this is your God-given right. If you are called to this, God's gonna qualify you. He's gonna give you what you need. He's not gonna give it to you all at once, but he will give it to you along the way. So can I just say this when it comes to other people's opinions, because I know this is a big battle for us, like an inward battle, that if God is gonna talk to anyone about what your kids need, it's gonna be you, okay? Not these other people, not the mother-in-law, the neighbor, the friend. And people, a lot of times, are well-intentioned, but they're not helpful, you know? And they're also not responsible for your kids. So your kids weren't given to them. They were given to you. God gave them to you. At the end of the day, you are the one who is responsible. And you know what? You have pull up your big girl panties and you have said, I'm going to do this thing. I am going to educate these kids, whether that's finding the resources on things you're not sure about or don't know about. You guys, there's so many different ways to do this. There are as many ways to educate as there are fingerprints. It's a matter of being resourceful and knowing your kids, being a student of your kids, understanding that it's okay to simplify. Guys, Kids aren't complicated, and sometimes we try to press push so many complicated books and curriculum and information on them that they're just not ready for yet. And so then we wonder why they hate schoolwork. Okay, that's what we don't want, okay? We want our kids to love learning, and that looks like so many different things. It's not just the book work. So back to this thing about not being feeling qualified. I have talked to moms with PhDs and moms who don't have a high school diploma and every single one and everything in between and every single one has said she feels like she is not qualified for this job guys okay something's not right here so i'm just going to tell you this god doesn't call the he doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called if he's called you to this and i have no doubt that he has that he will equip you along the way. Not ahead of time, like I said earlier, but as you walk it out, you have grace for each 
day. So if you're teaching a second grader right now and you're freaking out about high school, please stop. Because when you get to high school, you'll know what you're supposed to do. You'll have the resources. God will provide what you need. Just enjoy your second grader right now. They are so much fun. So much fun. Take walks. Spend time outside. Garden with them. Bake with them. Let them go play and have a little time to yourself. You guys, seriously, take them to the park. It's not rocket science at second grade. Can I just say that? We got to stop putting all this pressure on ourselves and on our kids. Um, so in addition to moms not feeling qualified, they constant, constantly worry that they're not doing enough, right? I bet every person here can relate, right? Why? Why is that such a powerful tool of discouragement? Here's the reason. Because no one can truly answer that question for you. Think about it. Who can give you that answer? A teacher can't even give you that answer. They're going to take you down a path that they think is the answer, but they don't know your kid like you do, right? So there's really no way to have that question answered except to get that peace from God from on a daily basis that you've done enough that day. Okay, so that's what we need to focus on. We don't need to focus on, you know, the big, huge picture. We need to focus on today. Okay, yes, we have a plan, but we hold it loosely and we let God direct our steps. And he has a way of doing that. You'll know when your kids are giving you pushback, stop, whisper a prayer. Lord, do, is this something they need to push through? Or can, do we need to stop? Or do we need to take a break? He'll show you what to do. We're not going to do it all perfectly, but I can tell you that you don't have to do it all perfectly and you can still grow great kids who have whatever they need when they need it as an adult. So we all have our reasons for homeschooling, but typically the one reason that we all have in common is that we feel strongly that the school system or the classroom setting was not going to work, is not going to work for our kids, right? I think we could probably all say yes to that or we wouldn't be homeschooling. You know, for one reason or another, we just don't think it would be a good fit. So here's my question. Why do we try to imitate it? And why, this is another question, why are we pushed around by that picture of school? Something to think about. I think part of it is that we know what we don't want it to look like, right? We're looking at that. We're like, we don't want it that rigid. We don't want to, you know, there's a lot of things about this that I know just aren't going to work for my kids, but we don't know what it's supposed to look like, right? Mostly we're afraid. So we tend to go back to what is familiar to us. It's our experience. We're like, okay, well, if all else fails, I'll just go back to that, right? But we left that for a reason. And I'm not saying there aren't pieces of that classroom setting that can't be beneficial, but choose wisely for your children and for your season of life that you're in. You gotta take all of these things into account. Families go through crises. We have losses. We have uh, you know, stresses and pressures in different seasons. Gotta love internet, right? Yeah, it cut me off there. So I'm restarting a new video uh, because I have to. Okay, so um, 
we, we tend to go back to what is familiar. Um, my hope today is to help you to begin to see education uh, with a much, much broader lens so you can truly enjoy this journey. I want you guys to remember something that homeschooling is a privilege. Okay, It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day minutiae, and guess what? We lose the joy and we forget that this is a privilege. There are a lot of countries where we cannot do this. So I'm going to jump right in to some of the things that have helped me relax as a homeschooler. Brief history of the public school system. If any of you guys know it, it was created during the Industrial Revolution, and the idea was to educate the masses to um, basically be factory workers. And that model has not actually changed over the years. It's not meeting the needs of the current generation. And so we have a problem. We have a problem in that um, this system either needs to be, it probably needs to be completely revamped. But the bottom line is that system isn't working. It's failing. And the gentleman who uh, was a big proponent and one of the biggest starters of compulsory education, meaning you have to send your kids to school, his name was Horace. Man, and if you do some research on him, it's a little creepy. Um, he uh, had no problem forcing everyone else's kids to go to that and other parents to send their kids there, but guess what? He did not send his kids there. That right there screams volumes to me that that system wasn't good enough for his own children, and yet we're still walking out that same system. So understand that even the very roots of the system are not good. So, that was one thing I wanted to share. This is one reason we can kind of kick that to the curb. You know, we can take a few good things out of it because there's a little good in everything, right? Um, But remember that that system just is not working. It's not working. Next thing I want to talk about is two different... There's essentially, out of all the types of teaching, there are two... um, two categories that they will pretty much fall under any kind of um, of teaching out there, okay? Any kind of educational method. It will fall under the Greek method or the Hebrew method. And the difference between the two is night and day. Our system is based on the Greek method, which is basically we're dis- teachers disseminating information, uh, filling the child with, you know, all kinds of information and then having them spit that back out, you know, if, you know, it's what we see in the traditional school setting. The Hebrew method is very, very different than that. It is based in relationship and in discipleship. It is walking alongside one another day in and day out, eating together, being together, living life alongside of each other. And you guys, that's the beauty of homeschooling is you can walk in that method. But I'm afraid that too many moms are getting caught up in the overscheduling activities because they're nervous that they're not doing enough. So they're like, okay, well, we should do this and we should do this and in hopes that they're going to cover all the bases. In the meantime, losing massive opportunity for relationship with their kids, losing massive opportunity to have peace in your home, to not be running all the time, to have your own thoughts, to let your kids have their own thoughts, okay? Um, I always say education is discipleship. That's what it is. This is why I don't send my children to school. 
I don't want them discipled by a teacher or someone I don't know and the children around them and the peers around them. I want them to be discipled by me and my husband and the people that we choose for them to hang out with. And then eventually they choose, obviously, but we're teaching them how to choose who to hang out with. But that's our responsibility and our right as a parent to protect our kids. I love that greenhouse idea. You know, you would never stick a little seedling tomato plant out in the weather. You would keep it in a hothouse, right? Under certain conditions, you'd water it and fertilize it and um, pick off the things that are going to keep it from uh, developing and, and bearing fruit. That's our job as parents is to keep those kids in a bit of a hothouse for a while. And then guess what? As they get bigger and stronger, we put them out for a little while to feel some of the weather, to feel that wind and that cold and grow stronger, right? Doesn't that make perfect sense? But we can do that as parents as homeschoolers. Um, when our kids are in school, we have no control over that. So I just, I'm wanting you to see the benefits of homeschooling to help you envision better what your days can look like that embrace these benefits, okay? Now, I talked about being an unhurried homeschooler. Uh, what that means essentially is that we did not rush our kids into book work right away. We had a lot of playtime, a lot of just activities, I mean, like simple activities, not going out and doing activities, but being outside, playing outside, being in the dirt, building forts, doing Legos, Play-Doh, baking together. We did a lot of that kindergarten to second grade, you know, and we would bring in some, uh, you know, some handwriting books and some basic math and learning how to write your numbers and letters, but we didn't worry about when exactly that happened, okay? We, I threw the scope and sequence chart out a long time ago and decided that I was going to trust in my children's natural ability to learn and their own timetables that God had given them. Um, it doesn't mean I don't do my due diligence and, you know, make sure that, you know, uh, they're doing well and they're learning and they're continuing to progress. But for me, it looked more like we're making progress. I'm not about perfecting the curriculum list or the uh, scope and sequence list. I'm about, not about perfection, but progress. We want our kids to master things along the way. So we're going to camp out on something for a while. Um, and take our time with it and not worry about getting to the next concept until that one is mastered, especially if it's essential to make it to the, to go on to the next step. So the other unhurried piece of it was that as a mom, I needed to pull back and silence the voices and listen for the Lord's voice and what he had for our family. And so many times it was simplify, go back to simplifying, go back to simplifying. Sometimes I would try to add something, you know, in that attempt to be doing enough and, and it would just fail. Not every time, but a lot of times it would. And my gut would tell me, don't do this, but I'd do it anyway. And then it would fail. And then it'd be like, okay, Lord, what do I do? And he's like, take that thing out. You weren't supposed to, that was not something I led you to do. So you take it out and that's okay. We can do that. We get to make these adjustments and these tweaks along the way. That is our right and privilege. Um, leaving margin in our days so that everyone can have their own thoughts, time to themselves. This is how our kids learned how they learn is they went out and experimented and followed their interests in the afternoon. We usually did book work in the morning, 
not all morning if they were younger, but all morning if they were in high school and into the early afternoon. Usually it was no more than four hours for at max for my high schoolers. In the afternoon, we gave them time to follow their interests. Sometimes they were involved in drama and they were involved in things outside the home. That was totally fine. Um, but they had that time in the afternoons to do the things that they were interested in. And that has really helped facilitate leading them the direction that God's called them for their careers and their jobs and the things that they're doing now. So we're leaving margin in our days. We need to understand that kids develop at different rates. They are not machines. We can take the time to be students of our kids, to really know them. That means relationship, time in relationship with them. And if we are packing our days with activities, and granted, sometimes you will go through seasons where you're busy, but that should be, that should come to an end and you should be able to go into a little season of rest and respite for a while. That should not be an on, I don't feel like it should be an ongoing thing. And I realize some families um, thrive on busyness and that's fine. You know, you know as a mom what's best for your kids. I know families who were busier than us and they thrived and did really well. Just be sure that you're not missing those opportunities for discipleship. You're not, you're not missing the times to quiet the voices and listen for the Lord's voice um, in, your, in your homeschooling and in your life as a family. I wanted to have time to walk alongside of our kids and talk about things that were really important because usually it's in the quiet times, in the slow times, that conversation happens. Kids will not initiate a conversation typically when you're on the run. They just won't. And as they get to be teenagers, it's even more the case. And we want that connection from day one. And we have that opportunity, homeschooling. So take advantage of it. Um, we have time to have relationship with them, to have fun together, um, time to, for them to work through conflicts with their siblings, um, for us to nurture sibling relationships. I have posts on my website with short videos talking about this. Um, time to instill a work ethic. I have podcasts on chores and why they're essential. Um, now, this doesn't mean, like I said, being unhurried does not mean that we never have to meet a time requirement or do hard things, but we have more, we tended to try to learn more of those lessons through chores or things that we would ask them to do because we didn't want to snuff out their love of learning. I think it's great, fine, as they get older into the middle school and high school years that there's a time limit on uh, testing or different things like that. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, even then, not every kid is going to do well under that, that, those circumstances, so you need to look for alternatives. But I'm saying, um, especially in the early years, we do not want to snuff out that love of learning. And so putting a bunch of time restraints on everything is probably not a good idea. If they're taking forever, there's a really good chance that maybe we're asking them to do too much and we need to simplify and um, you know bring it down a notch so that they can get it done. Because sometimes they just get overwhelmed because it's more than they can handle. They can't maybe even verbalize that to us in second or third grade. Um, but for some reason, they're dragging their feet. So you as a mom are going to need to be tuned into your kids and figure that out. But I'm telling you uh, some of the different things that can be going on during that time. Um, now here's a doozy. I've shared this one a lot, you guys, and I can see looking back over the years that this is absolutely true. Are you ready for this? Everybody listen up because this is really important. I heard towards the beginning of our homeschooling, I'm so glad I did, that it's actually K through eighth grade. It's two years of actual schoolwork total to be ready for high school. 
You hear that? When I heard that, it helped me relax and go, okay, so basically K through eighth, I have a, I, I really just want to get two years of intense learning done over that time. And, you know, so many times more than that can happen. But, you know, some of us have kids who just, you know, they struggle. And this helped me relax. And you know what? I have found it to be totally true. My kids were fine by high school, no matter how different their time frame was in kindergarten to eighth grade. So um, I want to give a, a math encouragement here because I know math is a big deal for a lot of us. I, I'm not a math person at all. Um, my, my kids handled math differently each one and we handled it differently with each one. I had one who was great at math and guess what? Um, he basically had to learn on his own from about seventh grade on. And you know what? He did it. He totally did it. Um, but here's one thing I want to show you in kindergarten to eighth grade. Um, well, first of all, you need to understand that you don't have to go deep into every single math concept. I just went through this with our son who um, was doing the sum of digits. And I was looking, I looked in different places for what that meant because I had kind of forgotten how to do that. It said something completely different in these two different places. And as I'm watching this all, I'm thinking, how important is it for him to actually do this concept? Like, what's the skill behind the skill? Well, it's just thinking skills. It's critical thinking skills. And he can learn that some other way or in some other area of math. This is not crucial. So we skipped it. He might never know how to do the sum of digits. I think he's going to be fine. And that's the beauty of being this far down the road. I can see how much was unnecessary or just more about uh, the skill behind the skill. Math is just about critical thinking, really. I mean, obviously, we use math in everyday life, but beyond that, you know, that higher level math, you know, it's not, my kids don't use algebra except like maybe one or two of them who happen to be in a math field, okay? So just don't stress about it. But one thing that I want to show you um, is this. This was a lifesaver for me. Somebody, a person who taught math showed this to me. Now, this is not precisely exactly right, but you're going to get the idea, okay? So here's a graph of how math is learned, okay? So you've got, um, you've got learning in first grade. This is all backwards to me, so I'm trying to <laughs> do it backwards. So you cover this in first grade. Well, guess what happens in second grade? You cover a bunch of first grade and a tiny little bit of new concepts. Third grade, same thing. Fourth grade, same thing. So, so much of math at each grade level is review. That's my point, you guys. So we freak out because, you know, we're not making more progress or, you know what I mean, when it comes to math. And, um, and this is really how it works. <laughs> Isn't that great? I also remember my sixth grade teacher told me that everything we needed to know happens by the sixth grade. All we do beyond that is expound on it. That was a huge thing. I was like, wow. And you know what? When I was in sixth grade, that's when we learned multiplication, not in third grade. So I, you probably might even be able to bump that back a little bit because they have just amped everything up so much, you know, um, to the point where there's trying to teach things that developmentally our kids are not ready for. Um, some of them are, but a lot of them aren't because development takes time and we need to recognize that. So um, 
And all these things have been been amped up, and what's the result? Our kids are feeling like a failure. The, the kids in the public school system, the parents, we're all feeling like a failure. And I just think, why? This is so unnecessary. I just feel like the system, not all of, I mean, obviously there are wonderful teachers out there, please don't get me wrong, but overall, there's like a uh, this this thing that they want us to feel like a failure. So, okay, we're going to kick that all to the curb and recognize that our kids can learn and we can teach them and we can facilitate for them their learning. That means like if if my kid gets beyond me in math, you know what? We're going to figure out where he can learn it, right? Online, from somebody else, (laughs) at a co-op. You know, we can figure this out, you guys. We're resourceful. You know, women are the most resourceful people on the planet, the most creative. So don't let your fear and your nervousness and your tension... Um, keep you from being creative. When we're stressed out, that creative part of our brain shuts off. So let's just not do that, okay? Let's just not. Let's just know that we can do this and we can especially do this with God's help. Um, I couldn't have done it without him. So talk to any teacher, how much learning actually happens in the classroom. They're there for seven to eight hours. Every single teacher I have talked to Everyone has said a tiny fraction of the time that they are at school is actual learning time. Okay, when they say learning time, that means they're able to convey the concepts and get them to the children, right? But what if my kid has to pee and he can't focus? Guess what? We lost that little fraction of a learning time. Homeschooling is efficient. And I think we forget that. We get more done in a couple of hours than they get done in days in school. Okay? So remember that. It's efficient. Um, We're just making progress like I told the mom one day, an older mom who had been homeschooling much longer than me, I said, I found out that this homeschooling thing is not about big leaps. It's about plotting, getting up, showing up, doing it, making a little progress every day or most every day because some days, you know, it just doesn't happen (laughs) for one reason or another with sick kids or whatever. Um, Understand also boys. Five of our eight kids are boys. They do not learn the same. They typically are behind about 18 months, especially in the early years. They're about 18 months behind girls developmentally. But I'm telling you guys, they are so smart in so many ways. And when they get something, they take off like a P38 and they will run right past our girls. So let them be boys. My boys had to get up and go jump on the trampoline, go ride their bikes in between subjects. It's okay. Let them do it. Let them recognize when they need a break. Because guess what? As adults in the working place and in the real world, they're going to recognize, hey, I need to take a break. And they're going to have balance in their life. They're not going to be run by the system. They're not going to be run by a program. They're going to go, nope, I need to take a five-minute breather. And they will go back to work and they will go back to their homeschooling with a fresh mind. Did you guys know that jumping up and down actually resets the brain? I have had a small trampoline in our house and a big trampoline outside during our boys' growing up years. Because when it was snowing and we couldn't use the one outside, we used the small one in the house. So that is a huge, uh, that's a huge blessing right there to just even to know that it works for adults too. So if you need a little reset, you can jump too. (laughs) Um, let's see. Okay. Last two things. I asked my eighth grade teacher who had the, he's seventh and eighth grade teacher. He had the biggest impact on me 
uh, when it came to education and just as a person and in my development and in my confidence. My parents really did too, but this guy was like, you know, that teacher that you always remember. Well, years later, literally a few years ago, I just, I was able to talk to him and say, listen, I appreciate so much what you taught me and it has, you know, it has impacted how um, how I taught my kids and I just appreciate you and everything you did. And you know what he did? He started laughing. And do you know what he said to me? He said, I didn't know what I was doing. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> I was like, every homeschooling mom needs to hear this, right? He said, I didn't know what I was doing. I went to college. And in those days, he said, they threw you in a classroom and they gave you one piece of advice. There was no uh, internship. There was no student teaching. They threw you in a classroom. Here's your class. And they said, teach like your favorite teacher taught you. I was like, that is some of the best advice I've ever heard. Utilize some of the things that the best teachers who taught you did and use them with your kids because they're, they're, it's going to be motivating for you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to create energy for you and, um, and it's going to help you. I just thought that was such a great tool. Last thing I want to say is my sweet, sweet friend, Carol Ann, who is uh, well into her 70s and homeschooled her children for a season. And actually, they were the first homeschooling family that I knew. She told me this one time when I was stressing about how much I was doing or not doing. And she said to me, Dorinda, if you never teach your child anything, but just keep them out of the public school system, you will have done them a great favor. So on my worst days, that's what I remembered. I'm still doing my kids a favor by keeping them home. They're being protected. They're being loved. They're being nurtured in a loving environment. And this is going to feed into great human beings. Okay? So remember that. You love your kids more than anyone. If anybody is going to go to the ends of the earth to make things good for your kids, it's going to be you. So stop looking, stop comparing, and recognize that you are fit for this task. All right, so we're going to go ahead and answer some questions. So please throw some questions in here. Um, Let me see what's going on. We've got quite a few moms here. It's really exciting. Okay. Uh, There's some great stuff in here. I hope you guys are reading the comments. I love this, you guys. Um, Okay, so, oh, this is my daughter, Brittany. She is on right now saying, yay, the pogo jumper. My son loves his. I use it when he's had too much screen time. Oh, okay, that's our little grandson who just turned five and she is actually gonna be homeschooling him too. We have uh, two daughters with kids and they are both planning to homeschool. Um, so I would love for you guys to ask questions. Okay, somebody says they're having nightmares about high school. So I'm hopefully I'm sparing my kids from that. Okay, one thing I wanna want to convey to you is that when we are stressed out about our kids' learning, they are gonna be stressed out. They're gonna look at learning. That's gonna impact how they think about learning. So if we're constantly worried all the time, we are gonna convey to them that learning is stressful, that they are stressful, 
that they are kind of stressing us out because we have to teach them. And you know, one thing I did not want is I did not want my kids to look back at our homeschooling and go, I'm never gonna do that because my mom was a basket case, right? I want my kids to, I'm not saying they have to homeschool. Um, Obviously that's gonna be their decision, but I wanted to encourage it because you know what? Exactly what is happening right now is what concerns me. All that's going on in the public school system, you guys, Um, I am thinking about doing a video just imploring Christian families who have not taken their kids out of the public school to please start to pray about doing that because it is a mess. And it, it is just, you know, there's, I know that there are some good schools out there. I get that. Um, And obviously every parent needs to be led by the Lord and decide that for themselves, but I want them to consider it. I want them to pray about it. I want them to think about it. And and I want them to think about what's at stake, you guys. Think about it. What is at stake? The hearts of our children, the souls of our children are at stake. And the world is becoming increasingly, especially and even in our culture, becoming hostile towards Christianity, hostile towards God. Our children need to know how to handle that. And right now, when they're young and at home, that is not the time. People who talk about salt, our kids being salt and light, that is the biggest bunch of baloney I've ever heard. You would never send a child out to war, you're going to let them grow, develop. You're going to send them to training camp, you know, to basic training, and you're going to equip them for the battle, right? Because it is a battle. It's a serious battle. I'm not throwing them out there when they're in second grade or sixth grade or seventh grade. You know, obviously we're going to do a little, there's going to be some exposure happening at those ages at different times. But the bottom line is we need to decide when that's supposed to happen for our kids. Sometimes it just happens, it comes our way and we have to deal with it. And we, but we get the opportunity to talk through it with our kids when they end up in situations that we're like, ooh, I really wish that hadn't happened, but let's have a conversation about it. What does God say about it? How should we handle this as Christians? You know, this is the stuff we get to do as homeschoolers and we can be, get so caught up in the curriculum that we forget to do these things, that we forget that these are the important things. So questions, um... How do I stay relaxed for high school? My oldest is going into eighth grade next year. State requirements with the freedom of homeschooling. Okay, so I'm gonna first deal with the high school thing because somebody else asked me that question um, a while when I said I was gonna do this Facebook Live thing. Okay, so what, I can only tell you what it looked like for our kids, okay? So our kids would do... um, When they were in junior high, I told them, when you get into high school, this is going to be your thing. Like, you are going to own it. You're going to earn these credits. Um, And what we did was we went just according to the local high school. uh, We just kind of used that as our our sort of, uh, what do you call it, framework or... um, Template, um, and our kids did go uh, years ago. They did go to a uh, it was like a homeschool co-op type of thing, but it was associated with public school. So the bottom line is, um, it was a homeschooling thing, but they could earn a high school diploma. We had a consultant we had to report to, and basically we just did monthly progress reports, and they did the testing in order to get um, the diploma. So. All that to say, we could still decide how they were going to get those credits. And I think this is something we need to remember in high school, that yes, we want them to earn these credits, but we can decide 
what that's going to look like. Is this going to be an experience? Is this going to be hands-on? Are we going to combine subjects? We did a lot of that where um, history uh, was uh, was combined with language arts. So they would read their history. They would answer questions. They would write a summary about what they read. Because you know what? The bottom line is I want them to remember what they read. And so they would get that writing piece of it by writing a summary of what they read in history every day. And um, that was one way that uh, we did it with some of the kids. So the bottom line is you kind of usually have a pretty good idea if your kid is going to go to college or not um, sometime during the high school years, and you can um, be looking uh, at the local schools, wherever you think that they might be attending, look at what they're expecting. Um, it's really so different from state to state. Um, our son did a uh, running start program, so it's a dual enrollment thing. Um, he's the only one that decided to go to college for any length of time. Um, the rest of them decided that it was not worth their time, the money. Um, they didn't feel like they were going to get enough out of it, and they wanted to learn other ways. And that is an option now. There's so many online courses. There's so many things you can get certified online for. IT things, I'm telling you, coding, if you got a kid who's into coding, he can learn it online and he can get a job. I'm telling you, get a LinkedIn account um, and put in all the, he can put in all the things that, um, all the different certifications that he has or experiences he has, what he knows how to do his skill set. I'm telling you, they are hiring because they basically, what they're looking for is someone who is motivated. And if we can graduate our kids with a love of learning and a motivation and a resourcefulness and a work ethic, um, they can get a job anywhere. I'm telling you, our kids have been in the work world for a while now, and I'm telling you, employees are dying for kids with initiative who understand what it looks like to follow directions, who are willing to learn, who are willing to show up and put in the time, and not just put in the time, but put in the effort. That right there will land your child a job somewhere, and it won't necessar- it won't be at a fast food restaurant. Not that that's a bad thing, but I'm saying um, that won't be all they they are restricted to because the kids that are coming out of the school system have no idea how to work. So this is why I have emphasized a work ethic so much with our kids. Um, It is so important. Um, Okay, so I hope that answered your question. Um, Just keep plotting and um, one person I would highly recommend uh, getting uh, becoming part of her Facebook group is Cheryl Bastian, who talks about celebrating high school. She's very good at um, combining subjects and giving um, ideas on how to meet credits uh, in unique ways. Um, so I would really recommend her. And she's a, a veteran homeschooling mom of all, you know, her oldest is like 30. So... She's she knows what she's doing and she's really good at this. And her husband is actually a um, I think he's a high school teacher. All right, um, let me look here. How okay? And also, just remember when you get into high school, God isn't going to leave you. Okay. <laughs> just because it's high school doesn't mean that God is, is going to stop giving you wisdom about what to do. You're going to be fine. Your kids are going to be fine. And you know what? Even if they graduate and they decide to do something you never anticipated, if they have a work ethic and they're motivated and they know how to learn, they're going to figure it out. This is the beauty of it. 
That's the important thing, is that they can and will figure it out, and they will have conquered. You guys, and this will grow their confidence. We just want them to be confident that they know how to learn, that they can handle things, that they have a good work ethic. Um, So here's a question. How did you navigate the state school requirements with the freedom of homeschooling? Our state requires four hours a day beginning at age seven. I limit formal instruction to 30-ish minutes for my six-year-old boy, so I'm shocked that we will have to do four hours next year. Okay, let me just say, learning is happening all the time. When your kid is playing with Play-Doh, when he's building Legos, when he's baking with you, when he's building a fort, he is learning. Okay? The big trick with this and I learned this from doing monthly progress reports, is to learn to speak educationese, okay? So if you think someone is actually gonna look over every jot and tittle of your reports, they're probably not. I could tell you that, first of all. But if you really wanna be thorough, honestly, just go read uh, some educational material that talks about teaching. It'll give you the vocabulary, Okay, so um, I'm trying to think of an example. I wish I could pull up my monthly progress reports to, to kind of give you an idea. But th- they can make the simplest thing sound like, like this huge educational accomplishment when really all they were doing is baking. Yeah. So don't let that intimidate you. You don't need to be intimidated because God has put you where you are. Okay, and he's gonna give you what you need. And like I said, the four hours, you don't have to change anything. Just talk about the things that he naturally does. I did a lot of that in the early years when I had to do monthly progress reports because our kids were going to classes. And so in order for them to take those classes, I needed to do this little monthly progress report. Nobody ever came back in the years that we were there. We were there a lot of years, I wanna say, 10 or 12 years, nobody came back and said, oh, this isn't good enough. <laughs> so just don't worry. It's, it's going to be fine. Ask God to give you the creativity and the confidence and the peace um, because you really just, you want to enjoy this little guy. He's six, man. They're only six once and six-year-olds are awesome. Enjoy his awesomeness at six years old. Um. 12-year-old has ADD, very reluctant to write. Any suggestions, ideas, or encouragement would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. My son is ADD too, and he has dysgraphia. So writing is not his thing. Um, I have him do copy work because I feel like that's a good way for him to absorb good writing. Now, my husband requested that the kids would write scripture, so that's what our kids have done. But they've also copied from books, um, good books, because that is going to help him understand and absorb what good writing is. Does that make sense? So it's just... Our kids can learn through osmosis. I think we forget about that. It doesn't have to all be formal. Like it can be simply as simple as just writing out, uh, writing from a good book. Um, and if he reads um, or you read to him, he's also hearing good writing. Um, read alouds are really, really good. I still do that with our 15-year-old. Um, it's a really great place for us to connect because honestly, a, a you know, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old boy, I don't have a lot in common with them. But these books give us that, that, that time to converse and to have something in common and a way to connect. Um, Sarah McKenzie at Read Aloud Revival has some great resources for that. Also, Brave Writer, she, Julie... Um, 
at Brave Writer. She has some really good resources as well. The biggest suggestion I could make is to start out with, if he really hates it, is free writing. Just let him sit down, set the timer for five minutes, and just say, I just want you to write for five minutes about anything. I'm not going to correct it. I'm not going to edit it. Just write about something that's interesting to you. Even if you're just writing out your thoughts that you're having right now, like I really hate doing this. I wish mom wouldn't make me do this. He's still taking his thoughts and putting it on paper. And that's the whole idea behind writing. So we want to talk about the skill behind the skill, right? And there's different ways to attack that. And and uh, the ways that I just mentioned are a few different ways to do that. Um, let's see. Do you happen to know of any resources for autistic learning? I am not great on that. Um don't want that to be an excuse to put her in public school. You know, I don't know who's going to make you do that. Um, honestly, you. what I have found is that kids um, that have disabilities, a lot of times... Um, their learning happens so much more readily at home in a loving, safe environment, a place where they feel like they can relax, especially on uh, someone who's struggling with autism. We know that overstimulation doesn't is going to be it's going to be um, horrible for them, right? They're going to be overstimulated. You don't have any control over that environment. Where at home, you can control the environment and make it the most. Um, the best learning environment for your kids. You know, I had kids who needed to learn to listen. They needed to listen to music in order to learn. They needed to be doing more than one thing at a time in order to learn. And guess what? I could give that to them because of the one-on-one I had with them, even though I had eight kids. Um, You know each one of them and you try to stay in touch with each one. And that's why, again, having that margin in your day. Um, I would say... Really pray about the resources. If I run across any... Okay, here's another thing. Anybody here who's listening who has any good resources for autism, please leave it in the comments um, for uh, Kenyell. I hope I said that right. Um, And please just um, know that you can do this. It'll be a step at a time, but you can do this. Um, uh, Yeah, Lindsay, this will be... this we'll be playing later. It's, it's broken up into two videos because I lost connections. So this is the second part. Sarah wants to know, hi, Sarah. This is my good friend, Sarah. I know her in real life. <laughs> Can you share some of your best tips for transitioning ownership of education to our kids as they move from the middle years into high school? Uh, yeah, I would just say that um, don't stand over their shoulder. Don't give them full direction on every single thing. Uh, what I did with ours, especially starting in our, um, even in the early years, I tried to do some of this, but especially in middle school, I would uh, sit down with them and say, okay, um, you know, we're going to do, uh, you were going to do math. We're going to do language arts. We're going to do handwriting. How do you want to do this? Um, here's some options. Um, we can do learning language arts through literature and I would show them the curriculum or show it to them online. We can do it by you, uh, reading certain books and writing summaries on that. And then doing this little, you know, workbook. So I would present options to them and I would say, you choose which one you want to do. So, Doing language arts was not optional, but how they did it was up to them. And all of a sudden, when they're making the choices and they have an input into what's uh, what 
how they're learning something and even what they're learning a lot of times. Sometimes, uh, here's the other thing. Sometimes they had a major interest. Our oldest daughter was really into animals. And so she kept meticulous records, but she would also write journals about the animals and what it is that went on with them that day. That right there is writing, you know? So, and, and part of her language arts, you know? So, that whole categorizing and all these different things. These are all skills that she was naturally doing um, that tied into her homeschooling, but she owned it. And again, when they went into high school, how do you want to learn this? Like I didn't force science and history on our kids um, until high school because <laughs> I felt like I wanted them, they explored it on their own. Obviously they would read books, they would study different um uh, you know, time eras in history that were interesting to them. Um, the boys, especially, they liked, you know, guns and the guns of world, the different world wars and all of that. So they would just study that stuff. But when they got into high school, I really felt like I wanted them to have a big picture of history and I wanted them to have some basic science skills. Um, we didn't need to go deep into it if that wasn't something they were super interested in. And usually by high school, you know, that's not really an area of interest for them. Um, but maybe uh, the animals that our daughter did, that was science for her. That translated into a bunch of science credits for her and a bunch of elective credits. So there's so many creative ways to do that. But again, it's important that we're watching, we're tuned into our kids and that they are owning what they're doing. And you can tell by whether they're getting up and doing the stuff that they need to get done in the morning and you're not having to tell them every day what to do, but they're jumping in and doing it. So... Um, I hope that answered your question, Sarah. And feel free to chime in. I know that you've graduated a couple kids already, so I'm sure you have some things you could probably add to that. Um, working from home, hard to stay balanced. I'm blessed that hubby is home during the day and helps with homeschooling. I have many moms asking about working while homeschooling. Any thoughts? Um, I am currently a obviously a working mom. I, ha I do a podcast. I travel. I speak at events. Um, and it is a balancing act. Um, it's challenging. Um, it's as challenging as you know having the eight kids at home and trying to balance all of that. But I took some of the principles from there and I have applied them to uh, being a working mom with two kids at home and homeschooling. And it's really prioritizing my time. Um, I understand that I can't overcommit myself. And I've, I have a I think we get a pretty good gut feeling when someone asks us to do something, whether or not it's a good idea, whether that's going to be overwhelming. Sometimes we really want to say yes, but I think we need to be careful to pause and, and ask ourselves, what is it uh, that I'm going to give up in order to do this thing? Am I going to give up something important with my kids that I need to be doing with them? Um, don't overschedule yourself. You still need to keep margin in your days. And I know that's tough when you're working, but um, it means we might have to say no to some things that seem really good, but they're not the best. And so I, I've heard that term, um, uh, something about making good the enemy of the best. We don't want to do that. We want to uh, live out our priorities. So I think continually stepping back and looking at um, how is our, our homeschooling going? How is our business going? We can always do more. We know that, but that's not the point. 
the point is that we want to um, do well with what we do do. We want to be fully engaged, whether that's homeschooling or whether that's our home business. We want to be fully present. And so whatever it takes to be that, um, and that is going to make your business successful um, because you're going to be a quality person, a quality business person, as opposed to someone who's just running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You know, just, we don't want to, we don't want to be that person. Um, And we're going to have the most effective time with our kids when we're fully engaged. And I think that's the, the, one of the biggest things is be there. If you're, when you're with your kids, be with them. Try not to be thinking about what you need to do in the business. Sometimes I will keep um, a sticky note on my uh, day planner or on the kitchen counter. So when I think of things that I think would be a really good idea to do later, I jot them down. And you know, sometimes I end up doing them. Sometimes after time passes, I realize that was just kind of a an idea that didn't need to happen, but I, but I need to get it out of my head so that I can engage in what I'm doing with my kids. Um, let's see, let's see more questions. What advice do you have about navigating sports in high school? Um, we have used the public school sports team. Our son played high school uh, in high school. He played football and it was a very good experience. It was very much a growing experience. I would call it that, that experience that we talk about when we're taking that tomato plant and we're putting it outside and letting it feel a little bit of the, you know, the wind and the rain and the elements. Um, that was how that experience was for him. And you know what? He rose to the occasion. We talked a lot. You know, every time he came home, we would talk about how it went. And there were different situations that went on. And we talked about, you know, he would tell us how he handled it. And he just did really well. And we could encourage him. And he grew so much in confidence by doing that. I would, I would be wary of... Um, letting it overtake your family life. That's really, really important. We need to keep our family life protected. We need to keep our family time with our kids. We always made sure that we had dinner together every single night. Sometimes maybe it's only three nights a week for you because you're playing sports or whatever. That's okay. Um, But let it be maybe for a season and then take a break. Um, We don't want everybody running around all the time in the family just being fragmented. That defeats the purpose of what we're doing at home. So what are your favorite books? Read alouds for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh gosh. I don't even know if I have any read alouds for Thanksgiving. How's that for a a great homeschooling mom. I'd have to think like way back. I have some on my shelf just uh, that talk about the pilgrims. They're they're kind of the more primary things. Um, uh, I can't think of any offhand, but I have other moms here who might have some ideas. And Sarah McKenzie at Read Aloud Revival, I'm sure would have some great ideas for that. Um, Let's see. Okay. Yes, some moms are chiming in here that are from my mentoring group. I have a a course that I have created called um, the Unhurried Homeschooler Mentoring Course. And it talks, dives more deeply into what unhurried homeschooling looks like, uh, can look like at all the different age levels. And then we have a private Facebook group that is very tight. We pray together every week and we um, talk a lot about different ideas and ways to simplify. I'll put the link in uh, the podcast notes for that. Uh, Can you explain how you use the credit requirements of the local high school but chose how they got those credits? I think I explained a little bit of that, like with the goat thing with our daughter when she was had all these different 
animals, goats were kind of the big one. Um, but the whole idea of writing about journaling, what was going on with these animals every day, that tied into her language arts. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm having to rack my brain here. Um, well, right now our daughter is 17 and we're doing um, a project out in our backyard. Um, she will be journaling, sort of journaling that project. It's We're going to be planting an orchard and we're making some uh, very conscientious decisions about how we're going to be planting. We want it to be sort of like a sustainable thing. So we, she's going to journal that. Um, she had a couple of, uh, she took care of some uh orphan kittens for a while, for about two weeks, and got them ready for new homes. So she uh, did a bunch of research on, you know, how to naturally get fleas off of them, what to feed them, how to transition them from nursing to hard food, and she journaled all of that. So there's just so many different ways that we can do this. Um, Hopefully that gives you some ideas. Um, Okay. Oh, somebody mentioned uh, Simply Classical is meant for children with learning issues. That's awesome. Oh yeah, great. Yes, fun schooling with Sarah. I did a podcast with her um, on uh, on uh, her uh, little uh, books that she has. <laughs> what am I thinking? Fun schooling books. Yes, they're like journals, but they're really cool. And um, they're on specific, very specific things that are typically interesting for kids. Um, it's another way to, to school our kids. Um, I talk on my podcast about simplifying with uh, my friend Karen DeBuse and the beauty of simplifying our homeschooling and how it can be beneficial. Um, let's see... So uh, this is really interesting. Daisy says, I taught in the public schools with many different learning disabilities. She hates that word. And I agree that keeping them out of the school setting is a, in a one-on-one environment is best. The main accommodation that the schools made for special needs kids was providing an aide who worked one-on-one with them. Being at home, you are able to do that all the time. And that would be the best for your daughter, in my opinion. I love that. Okay, just looking for a few more questions here. Oh, awesome. How did you navigate so many boys and their energy and this need to kind of dominate, in a sense, strong personality? Okay, totally get that. Here's the thing with boys. Um, I needed to allow them, um, especially in the teen years, to sort of exert some of their leadership, but I needed to funnel it um, in a way that was productive because they would just boss each other around and boss everybody else around and boss me around. And I would tell them, listen, someday you're going to be the head of your family. Someday you're going to have a wife that you can talk about this kind of stuff with, but I'm not her. Um, I already have a husband. (laughs) Right now, you are still, um, I am still in charge. You are not. However, I will listen to your ideas. Um, I'll try to give you opportunities for leadership. Um, I will try to work with you. But you are actually learning right now what it looks like to respect a woman. We want them to respect their wives, right? We want them to love them, but we want them to respect them as well, right? So um, that is kind of what I told the boys. And I said, you know, um, as you get older, we'll let you do more and more and more. But right now, we give the okay or the not okay. The other thing that I did a lot of was deferred things to my husband and let him handle things with them. Because for some reason, they would receive it from him better. So 
that's kind of, there was that balance of that. And often I would go to my husband and I would say, I'm so frustrated with these boys. Okay, so here's one really good tip, you guys. Heads up, moms of boys. I was super frustrated because my boys just were not listening to me. I felt like everything I said just went poof into the air and it was like I wasn't even talking. I would even say that. Okay, was I just not talking? My lips were moving. I heard sound coming out, but nobody's responding, right? So I was super frustrated. I'm sharing this with my husband. I think I unloaded on him for probably an hour. We were out on a date, poor guy. (laughs) Not very romantic, but necessary. (laughs) He listened, and I just was telling him all my frustrations, and we had we finished dinner and everything, and then we got in the car, and he, we're driving. I remember exactly where we are. We were in the Red Robin parking lot, and we're pulling out, and he said, I have something I need to tell you. And I said, okay, what's that? He goes, I don't want you to get your feelings hurt. So I said, that's okay. I'll not get my feelings hurt. What is it? He said, you use too many words with the boys. And I knew he was right. I needed to stop talking so much. They needed fewer words. So I went home. I told the boys, I think I've been making this mistake. And they said, yes, you have. (laughs) They said, we would rather you punish us than keep talking. (laughs) So that's what I did. I would tell them something once. And if I did not get the response that I needed to get, I'd give them a chore. Um, send them on their way, you know, to go do something for me. I had a list of chores ready. This is great too when your kids are fighting. I'm telling you, when they're fighting, you get that bickering going on. Oh, okay, well, let's see. Oh, all right, the garbage can needs to be washed out. The lid is really gross. Take it outside with some soap and a scrub brush, wash it, dry it, put it back, and put a liner in it. Um, I don't care if it's in the middle of schoolwork. I'm not going to listen to the bickering. It's not going to happen. And, you know, sometimes there's a, with sibling rivalry, there can be an ongoing problem that you see over and over again. And that would be a topic of conversation where you need to sit down and say, I can see that there is bitterness between the two of you. And uh, we need to talk about what's going on, what's really bothering you, okay? And give them each the chance to speak their mind. Um, Okay, now I'm getting into my sibling relationship talk, but seriously, you guys, um, this is why we homeschool, so that we can take the time to teach our kids how to resolve conflict. I don't do that perfectly. I didn't do it perfectly, but my kids still learned a ton and they're really good at it. Um, it, It's just amazing. You know, we just, we sow these seeds and I like to think about it like this. It's like loaves and fishes. Remember that story in the Bible when God uh, or when Jesus was brought the loaves and the fishes from the little boy and he multiplied it? I would pray that prayer so much. I'm like, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I have this little bit to offer these kids and you and this life and this homeschooling. Will you just make it enough? And guess what? He did. He absolutely did. So I'm going to move on here because um, I think I'm probably past my time. I've been on here long enough. I I tried to keep it to an hour, but apparently that was not possible. Um, I'll try to answer the questions um, in here. I'll I'll try to type them in. Um, but we do not want to suppress our boys' leadership, their strong, uh, their strength. We want to encourage that, Alicia. So um, talk to your husband about ways to encourage that in, in specific scenarios that you're dealing with. Um, 
Okay, so I want to give you a brief reminder before we end our time together. I want to just revisit the overscheduling. We again, we often do this out of fear that we're not doing enough. Um, we need to remember again that we need margin in our day, and um, how we do homeschool our kids is not going to look like the next person, right? No, can I just say this? No activity on the planet is worth sacrificing the peace that God has for us and what he has called us to do with our families. You do not have to do this thing, any of this, perfectly to grow great kids. Our first responsibility as Christian moms is to home, uh, as Christian homeschool moms is to seek God's direction for our family and our homeschooling and walk that out no matter what anybody else thinks. Um, I know that if people would have looked in at our homeschooling and still would look in at our homeschooling, they would say, that is not enough. She's not doing enough, you know? And you know what? It's been enough. God has made it enough. Still the voices and listen carefully to the one that matters. The one who made you, who made your children, and intentionally put you together with purpose. Only he knows the future. Let him lead you. I was reminded today by my friend Misty, who um, I love dearly, uh, of this passage in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. He has rest for us, moms. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. Our children are a blessing. We can learn so much right along with them as we homeschool them and let God do his work in our hearts through this homeschooling journey. He is just as much at work in us, if not more, than our children, but he's doing a work in our children. And what we can do is watch, what is God doing in my kids right now? And how can I cooperate with that? It's that facilitating what God is orchestrating, but we have to be listening for that. We are be- we are blessed to be called these kids' as moms. May we be found faithful to raise them the way that he is leading us to. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. I pray a blessing over every mom who's listening. I ask that she would remember the things that you would want her to remember from this talk and from this discussion. Lord, um, she would forget the things that don't matter, but the things that do matter, I ask that you would bring back to her mind, Lord. We thank you for their each and I thank you for each and every mom's commitment here to uh, homeschooling their kids and just doing what they believe is best for them, Lord. I ask that you would inspire and encourage them and strengthen them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm thinking about doing another one of these on December uh, December 2nd, Monday, December 2nd. Drop some topic ideas in the comments and I will look at those and try to decide sort of what the focus will be that um, that for that Facebook Live, be sure to check out my books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, and I also have a devotional called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. That's Those are both on Amazon. And you can connect with me at dorendawilson.com, my podcast, online mentoring courses, places I'm going to be speaking. I will put all those in the, po- in the notes here. Um, 
And also, if you want me to come and speak at your favorite homeschool conference or homeschool group, group let your leaders know. I have a contact form on my website. Um, again, leave comments, uh, topic ideas in here. Um, if I see some questions I didn't get to, I will try to get to those and just type them out. Thank you so much for being here, you guys. I hope you were encouraged. Um, I hope to see you on Monday, December 2nd, right back here again. 